Welcome back. We have a questions video, mostly New York Giants related, of course. Um, I saw there's a life question in there about me, so that's interesting. And then, of course, there might be some NFL stuff. I'm sure some questions might be repetitive, so there are like probably like 20 questions total. So either I try and grind them all out now, or maybe I save it for another video. I don't know. I'll try to get to as many as I can, but I hope you guys enjoy the video. Leave a like, always helps out, and let's get into it. We will start with the one and only Pat Smith. I'm kidding, there's probably a lot of Pat Smiths out there, but Pat Smith, I feel like this is a less discussed topic, but a really important one. What do you think the Giants should do at cornerback next year with Adoree Jackson and maybe Darnay Holmes in the slot? Being basically our only solid players, what free agents, draft picks, trade targets do you see us going with to fill out this secondary? So I don't want to spend too much time on like, yeah, I don't know, free agent stuff and all that in the draft too. So I guess I'll touch on it quickly. I know there's some free agents coming up this year, Marcus Peters being one of them, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's now with the Eagles, but I am a fan of his and I know he's hurt right now, but I've always liked his game even back at Florida. And of course, there is James Bradbury, who I've seen brought up before. But if you're James Bradbury, I don't know why you leave the Eagles. You know what I mean? Like I could see it, but it's also like he just got released from here. I'm sure he gets it to business and the Giants couldn't keep him for cap restrictions and all that, but I just don't think James Bradbury, that whole reunion is very likely. So I would say they probably look in the draft and I'm sure Joe Shea wants to draft his own guys. I'm sure he values cornerbacks very much, especially with the way Don Martindale plays defense. So I would think the Giants probably look more towards the draft when it comes to uh, getting a uh, cornerback or two in this offseason. Next, my guy Kyle Schwarber, whose real name is Kurt Schwarber, but I call him Kyle Schwarber. He knows that. What are the top three needs on this team going into the offseason? You guys in these offseason questions, my goodness. I mean, we're 7-5-1 we're over here. My God, I've been asking, answering these questions about the offseason the last three or four years. Come on. But anyway, um, tough questions considering they need <laughs> one of about everything. Also, do you have any expectations if the Giants were to make the playoffs? I could see a scenario where the team gets healthy and they put up a good fight to a team or two early on. So for that first part, what do I think the biggest needs are for this team? Obviously, wide receiver. I think that's definitely number one. You have to find a guy who is a wide receiver one. Whether that is to help find out who Daniel Jones is, which I think is kind of a stupid argument, but just for the Giants overall, they need a wide receiver one. Like, I don't care who the quarterback is. They need somebody. Linebackers, the Giants linebackers are terrible. That's definitely, that might even be more important than wide receiver right now. Like, wide receiver is more recognizable because it's wide receivers and, like, they're the flashy position. But linebacker is such a bad position for the Giants. It's unbelievable. At least the Giants do have Wandale Robinson on the roster, who, yes, might not be ready for week one next year. I get that. But still, the Giants linebackers, my God, they need some work. And I would say probably cornerback. I think Adoree Jackson might be back here next year based on the contract. So who's playing opposite of Adoree Jackson? That's another question we have. There definitely are some others. You can argue center, guard. Um, some might say quarterback. I'm not going to argue that either. So yeah, there's definitely a good amount of needs on this team. That's why I don't... like. I know some people have the expectation of, oh, the Giants will go from winning whatever it is, eight, nine games this year to winning more games next year. Like, I don't know. I mean, the Giants definitely pulled off some great wins this year that we did not expect. But just because they might win eight or nine games this year does not mean they're going to win 10 or 11 next year. I hope that's the case, but you can't necessarily think that way. There still are a good amount of holes on this roster, and Joe Shane probably, not probably, definitely has his work cut out for him this offseason. Dave Campbell, what's up, my guy? I haven't heard from you in a while. I've missed doing these, or... 
I've missed, uh, is it I missed doing these or you've missed doing them? I guess we both missed doing these. All right, so cool. I know the Giants, I know Giants fans are sometimes not the most rational types, but during every game, I see people saying, quote unquote, fire Kafka. Do you think Kafka is suffering from a lack of talent or do you think he's not good, i.e. calling simple run plays or screens? I saw that franchise guy tweet that 90% of NFL teams would kill for Kafka. So me personally, I've kind of spoke on the Kafka thing before. Of course, he is the Giants offensive coordinator, so I'm going to speak on it. For me personally, I don't look at Kafka as he's doing a bad job. I don't. I don't think he has the guys. And, you know, of course, with this roster, there are holes everywhere. We know that. But I think with Kafka, you see the vision. I do kind of, it's annoying that the Giants don't go downfield as much as we'd like to, but how much of that's the quarterback and Daniel Jones not taking shots when they're there? We know about the Brian Dable quote when he said, hey, you know, if you see something, Daniel, just let it rip. Well, Daniel has not let it rip many times this year, of course. So I know the Giants need better receivers. They need better blocking. They need their quarterback to trust his arm more and take more of those chances. I don't blame Kafka necessarily. I do think when Kafka gets his guys or, you know, just more talent on this team, Kafka should be fine. I don't have that many concerns. I mean, yes, there are some annoying things where the Giants will be in a second and long and just run like a halfback dive up the middle. That shit's annoying. But like for the most part, I love like the pre-snap motion. The scheme is getting guys open. Like you've seen it. Those plays where... The Giants have started out a couple games this year with this exact play where they'll do a Daniel Jones play action to the right. They'll leak out Wandell Robinson back when he was healthy, and he'll be wide open on the left side of the field. Like, even going back to week one, that touchdown he threw to uh, Myrick. Like, that was a great schematical play where guys were just running wide open. We did not see that the past two years with Jason Garrett. I mean, Jason Garrett's as bad as it gets, but I see enough from Kafka where I'm like, if he has his guys, he'll be fine. So no, I'm not concerned about Kafka whatsoever. I'm not ready to say he's an elite, you know, play caller, but I think the Giants are on the right path here. And once he gets his guys and gets his talent, this offense should hopefully go places. Next from SN Rossi, would you rather re-sign Daniel Jones or put that money toward the interior offensive line? I want the money to put into the offensive line. If we re-sign DJ, nothing will change next year. However, if we don't, we can finally get the offensive line figured out, and I don't think Tyrod is a huge drop from Jones. If we sign Lyman, we can also draft other needs, speeding up the process of this rebuild, and if we like a quarterback in the draft. You're dropping them behind a good offensive line, we can then address receivers in the third and fourth round or maybe sign Odell with the 22 to $25 million we would be saving by letting DJ walk. What's your opinion on this? Then he went on to say, also, the most I'd be giving Odell is $11 million per year. Nothing crazy. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know why you said 22 25 Maybe that was for two years, like two years, 22 I can see that. But yeah, I would not give Odell $22 million per year. That'd be pretty insane. Um, all right. Yeah, so I agree with... A decent amount of this. I think the whole, we'll start with the quarterback stuff first, right? So the drop off from Daniel Jones to Tyrod Taylor, does it make sense to give Daniel Jones $25 million per year when you have Tyrod Taylor under contract at a much cheaper price? I would say I'd rather have Tyrod in that case. And this is, that's not me like being a Jones hater. It's me looking at the cap space and realizing 
Joe Shane only has so much cap space. The Giants have a good amount of it next year, but like, you know, it's like 50 or something, 50 something million dollars. You're putting like eight to 10 million to the draft. And then if you sign Jones for $25 million per year, that's over half your spendings right there. So I think the Giants have to be smart about this. I know some fans might think next year's the year the Giants are going to compete for a Super Bowl. I don't know about that yet. The Giants, are they still have a couple years left, in my opinion. We know this roster is a bit far off. The Giants have won a lot more games than we had expected coming into the year. But what SN Rossi saying here is pretty much correct. If you do bring back Jones for about $25 million per year, that just gives you less money to spend elsewhere to make the team better. So everyone, everyone's saying like you have to make the team around Daniel Jones better, which is correct. But if you bring back Jones... He's also taking up a lot more money than other quarterbacks would. Like, I, I put this on Twitter last night. Would you rather have Daniel Jones on a multi-year deal for $25 million per year or Jacoby Brissett for a one-year $10 million deal, who, if you look at the numbers and the advanced numbers, are having similar seasons? And I get it. Jacoby Brissett's in a better situation. Not by a ton, but he's in a better situation. But you get the point. Like, Daniel Jones is not $15 million better than Jacoby Brissett. And Tyrod Taylor, guys like that, I am not willing to give him that money. Daniel Jones has not shown enough consistency for me to do that, especially when this team can use that money to build the offensive line and get themselves those linebackers and cornerbacks they need. Why would I throw all that money at a quarterback who has yet to put together consistent performances game after game? And for the Odell thing, so this kind of ties into uh, Frank's question. He says, you think the Giants re-sign Odell? Question mark. Um... I don't know. It's interesting. I, I don't think Odell's going to play this year at this point. I did think it at one point, but the more this is dragged on, I figured Odell would have been signed somewhere by now, at least by early December. We're in mid-December. He's not even signed yet. So he went on like his little tour with the Cowboys and all that. He spoke to the Giants. I believe he spoke to the Bills. The Bills signed Cole Beasley recently, so I feel like that's out of the question now. Maybe Odell, they get him for next year. Okay. The Cowboys, they just signed T.Y. Hilton. T-Y, T-Y, whatever his touchdown dance was. Um, and the Giants are left with nobody. But if you're signing Odell Beckham, it's for next year. You're not signing Odell Beckham for right now. So I think Odell is in the cards for the Giants. I think it's possible. But I still don't think the Giants are the most likely team. I don't know where he's going. I genuinely, I don't know. Like I thought at first it was going to be the Bills. And then I thought it was going to be the Cowboys. But at this point now, I'm like, I don't know where he's going. Like I have no clue. And I, I don't even know if he's going to play this year. So Odell may as well just wait till the offseason. Like I don't know why he'd rush into anything right now. I mean, we'll see what happens. But it's not impossible. He's a Giant. But I'm also not expecting it. Elena, of course... Hi, Mikey TN. Jets greater than Giants. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Yeah, sure. I mean, the Jets are probably the better team right now. I can I can say that. The Jets have a Super Bowl-level defense, in my opinion. Um, Jets have a big game this week. The Jets and the Giants have huge games this week, definitely. Next from Frank. Why do you question Daniel Jones? He showed he can have great games. Tua wasn't even good until they got Waddle and Hill. And Jalen Hurts wasn't good until they got Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Why don't you give Jones a chance with the legit receivers and an offensive line? The problem with that is a couple of things. A, I think those guys are just better quarterbacks than Daniel Jones. Tua, like, people were literally saying tank for Tua at one point. When Daniel Jones was taken six overall, people, like, fell out of their chairs. Like, it was a much different reaction. I know it's college, it's different, but, like, these guys were just different in terms of how they were hyped up. Then you look at Jalen Hurts, a guy who was a second-round pick, who, who was a winner in college, and when Jalen Hurts stepped in right away for the Eagles, 
I think you could tell right away that this kid had a future. I was skeptical because of his arm strength. I still kind of am. I don't think Jalen Hurts has the best arm in the world. But Jalen Hurts has improved his game so much this year. It's not even just A.J. Brown. Yes, it helps. I completely get it helps, right? The offensive line in Philly also helps. But Jalen Hurts himself, have you guys seen how accurate he's been this year, how he leads that team, how they play for him, how Jalen Hurts extends plays and moves around in the pocket and and picks up consistent first downs with his legs when he needs to? I mean, Jalen Hurts does a lot on his own. It's not like it's it's just, he's not getting carried, right? Jalen Hurts is not Jimmy Garoppolo. Jalen Hurts might win MVP this year, and you still have people trying to take away credit from him. And I get it. But I don't think if Daniel Jones is on the Eagles, I don't think Daniel Jones is winning the MVP like Jalen Hurts might. So if you put all those guys on the same team, same exact roster, same exact coaches and blah, 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 I still think Jones is third on that list. I'm still taking Hurts first. I'm taking two at second. I'm taking Jones third. Like, why wouldn't you question Daniel Jones is what I would ask. I mean, Daniel Jones has been here for four years. And in most cases, most teams would have given up on Daniel Jones after year two or year three. It's a miracle that this has lasted four years. I know his situation sucks, but Daniel Jones should also be thankful that the Giants gave him four years to produce after the last two years have been terrible. And sure, he's been better this year. I completely get it. It's not an, it's not a good situation, but what consistency has Daniel Jones shown you this year? Like Daniel Jones' average game this year, on a per-game basis, Daniel Jones this year has 19 completions on 28, 29 attempts, right? Somewhere around there. 195 yards per game, so under 200 yards per game as a passer, 0.9 touchdowns per game. Like, where's the upside? I'm I'm definitely, like, I'm concerned. Where is the upside with Daniel Jones? You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't see it. I don't. I think Jalen Hurts is a ton of upside. We're seeing it. He could win MVP. I don't think if you give Daniel Jones a wide receiver one next year, that he's going to be like an MVP candidate. I don't see that being the case. Will he be better? Yeah, I mean, any any quarterback would get better when you give them a wide receiver one, except for Baker Mayfield. He was the one exception, I guess. But if Daniel Jones gets, let's, let's say, like, hypothetically, Devontae Adams is a giant next year, what are Daniel Jones' numbers looking like? Are they that much better? Is it enough for you to be like, he is no doubt a franchise quarterback? Because the thing that annoys me is that people think you can't evaluate Daniel Jones right now. You most certainly can. We've seen it for four years. He's had two different or three different head coaches. He's had three different play callers. He's had a bunch of different receivers from, you know, Golden Tate to Darius Slayton to Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney at some points. He's had, I don't know, Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram. Like, you've seen so many different reiterations of a Daniel Jones-led offense. Everything else around Daniel Jones has changed over the years, and the one constant is Daniel Jones, who has been here since 2019. And if you're still questioning if you have your quarterback after four years, that's a problem. It is. I'm not saying it's impossible for Jones to be good. The problem is this. Daniel Jones, I think we can all agree, needs a good team around him. I still think the Giants are two years away from having a really good roster. If Joe Shane can somehow do it in one offseason this year, that'd be awesome, right? That'd be great. But realistically speaking, a GM that comes in after Dave Gettleman, who I think was one of the worst three general managers in NFL history, to fix that entire mess in just two offseasons seems highly far-fetched. 
So I don't believe the Giants will have a great roster next year. You guys want Daniel Jones to have a great roster around him. I don't think that's happening next year. I don't. It'll get better, sure, but it comes down to the contract once again. That's why there's so many roadblocks in the way with the Daniel Jones thing. All right, so the Giants already declined his fifth-year option. They gave Tyrod two years just in case, you know, Daniel Jones moves on. At least they have Tyrod under contract. The Giants did not contact Daniel Jones about a contract extension during the bye week. I mean, the Giants are tipping their hand as to what they want with the quarterback position. I'm not saying it's 100% certain that Daniel Jones is gone next year. The Giants might give him a one-year deal because there's nothing else out there. But for those people that expect Jones to get like a three-year, $75 million deal from the Giants... I don't see it happening. Of course, things can change over the next four plus games, assuming they, you know, go two and two or three and one, make the playoffs, make a bit of a run and Daniel Jones plays well, that can change their opinion. But if things are going the way they're going right now, I don't think the guy has done enough. So I think that any fan that looks at Daniel Jones in a fair and honest way and takes the bias away from it, you have every right to question him. It's just how it is. I know there's some people that really do genuinely believe he's the future of this team. And I've been hoping and hoping that would be the case. But you know what? After four years of seeing him play, it's like, at what point does this does this become insanity? I mean, it's like the same thing with Eli Manning. Like we saw Eli Manning in 2017, actually 2016, start to decline. Eli Manning should have been done with the Giants by 2017. He did not leave the Giants until the end of 2019. The Giants, for some reason, whether it's John Mara or something else, have the tendency to hold on to these quarterbacks for way too long, and they blame everything else around the quarterbacks. It was always the offensive line's fault with Eli late in his career. It was the coaching's fault, and they're right to a degree. But we never thought, hey, maybe Eli Manning's just not good anymore. Maybe he's just washed. Never, it had never crossed people's minds, even though that was the case. And with Daniel Jones now, it's very easy to point at the the new coaches who have done a great job, of course, but point at the offensive line, the interior, the right tackle spot, the wide receivers, blah, blah, blah. Saquon not being healthy lately. It's easy to point the finger elsewhere, but nobody wants to point the finger at the quarterback. Why? Why are we this way as Giants fans? Like nothing ever falls on the quarterback in some people's minds. I don't get it. Like, Daniel Jones can literally go 26 for 32 with 132 yards just on strictly checkdowns, and people will act like he played a tremendous game. I, I, I think any quarterback can do that. If, you, if you're capable of throwing checkdown passes, that's great. But I want more from a quarterback. That's why I question him. I, I, listen, with all my teams, whether it's the Yankees, the Nets, the Giants, I want sustained success and going after championships year after year. I want what the Pittsburgh Steelers had from when Ben Roethlisberger was drafted till the time he retired. I want what the Green Bay Packers have had since Aaron Rodgers has been there and what the Chiefs will have as long as Mahomes is there. I want a team, even like the Baltimore Ravens the past 15, 20 years, I want a team that can for years and years compete and be in the conversation to win the Super Bowl. I personally don't think Daniel Jones is a good enough quarterback on his own, not the things around him, on his own, to be that type of guy. And this was on Daniel Jones' rookie contract. That's when you should be winning. If you give Daniel Jones, he's making what, probably eight, nine, ten million dollars per year now. If you give Daniel Jones $25, 30 million dollars per year, that's only gonna make the roster around him worse. So how does that get any better? I mean, the biggest advantage right now in sports, in the NFL at least, is having a quarterback on their rookie contract. 
giving Daniel Jones $25, $30 million per year, it already puts you at a disadvantage. You're not going to be able to spend that money elsewhere. The Giants had to win during Daniel Jones' rookie contract, and they didn't. They did the complete opposite of it. It's not all Daniel Jones' fault. I would never say that. But I don't think Daniel Jones is the solution. He's not the entire problem. I completely get that. But he's also not the solution. Joe Shane and Brian Dable, they want their guy, and they will get their guy. I don't know if it's this draft or the next draft or whenever or they trade for somebody. It's going to happen. Daniel Jones is not going to be the Giants quarterback for the next five to 10 years. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. It might happen for next year. I could see that being the case, but I do not see a scenario where Daniel Jones is the Giants quarterback in like 2027. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've been wrong before, but I just, it just seems so unlikely. And there's so many things pointing against it, all the things I just said. And as I've said, I trust Joe Shane. Until he gives me a reason not to believe in him, I will trust Joe Shane. If Joe Shane believes Daniel Jones is really good and wants to bring him back and just give him a couple wide receivers and a good offensive line, then that's all right. I'll buy in. But I don't, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. I am not sold on the fact that Joe Shane likes Daniel Jones a lot. Even Brian Dable. They gave you the first clue when they declined this fifth-year option. If Joe Shane and Brian Dable thought there was a good chance that Daniel Jones would be here beyond next season, why would they decline this fifth-year option? That was like the cheapest way to keep him for next year. They declined that option. And as Daniel Jones wowed the Giants enough this year to make them feel he's worth a three-year, $75 million deal? I don't think so. I mean, you can say yes, but I don't think so. And as I've said, if it's me and it's between Daniel Jones for $25 million a year or Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett for like a third of the price, I'm taking those guys. I'm sorry. That's not an anti-Daniel Jones thing. That's a I want the Giants to be good thing. I don't want them to give out a stupid contract to a quarterback that has not been consistent for four years. Let's go to Twitter, the most least toxic place on earth. Um, so Eric was the one that asked me the personal question, so we'll get off the Giants for a bit. Um, how about a personal question? Like, did you play any sports in high school and what college did you attend? Love your videos. Thanks, Eric. Um, all right, so let's go in order here. So sports in high school. I never played like for the school competitively. Kind of a regret of mine. I kind of wish I did. But I was definitely big into like recreational sports. I just never applied to myself. Like I was one of those kids that just went to school and went home. I do think if I applied to myself, probably could have made basketball. I did try out senior year for basketball. Didn't make it because it's, it's tough. When you try out for the first time in senior year, it's tough. And baseball, if I applied to myself, probably could have made it. But even football is something I wish I tried out. I, I'm 5'9 and Caucasian, so it's not like I'd be lighting the world on fire. But still, it would have been a fun experience. But um, I kind of regret not doing that stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. For college, I went to Raritan Valley Community College my first two years. I live in, like, north central Jersey. So Raritan Valley went there. Then I transferred to Kane. And I graduated from Kane, like, basically the semester that COVID hit. So I had an experience of online school for about two months. Luckily, I got out just in time. So I graduated in 2020. So that's pretty much my life right there. But I was not sure if I wanted to go to college or not. I just decided last minute, screw it. I'll go to college. Went to Raritan Valley. Went to Kane. Got a business degree. And that's it. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I do wish I played more sports like competitively. But I definitely have a lot of like fun memories playing like pickup basketball and even wiffle ball and stuff. Pickup football. Next question from Martin. I want to know why DJ fans believe the way they do because I don't see it. Real question, by the way. Uh, I mean, the the true answer is that fandom is hell of a drug. That's pretty much the best way I can put it. Um, 
I'm not going to discount anybody for saying that Daniel Jones has a future. I think they, they're they probably, um, they're right about that. I think Daniel Jones will have a pretty long NFL career if he wants it. I do think that. Like, he's not complete shit. Like, Daniel Jones is not garbage. I think he'll be a very high-end backup or a low-end starter for a long time if he wants it. But what do these fans see in Daniel Jones? I think part of it goes back to draft night, how he was humiliated by part of this fan base, the media, and even the media, for as long as Jones has played for, have completely just, you know, not have been very nice to Daniel Jones. And I think it comes to, like, people want to prove the media wrong and prove those fans wrong that are not the biggest Daniel Jones people like myself. And they want it to work out so, so badly. It's like they're convincing themselves that he is the right guy for the job. When, like, if you're watching the games objectively... And I get it. The guy is not in a great situation. It's hard to evaluate a quarterback. Not impossible, because I know I've got to that before. Not impossible. It's not impossible to evaluate Daniel Jones, but it's more difficult than evaluating a Jalen Hurts or a Tua Tungavailoa type quarterback. I can agree with that. But Daniel Jones has been here for four years, and I have not really been convinced at any point that he was going to be the long-term franchise quarterback. There have been a few starts in Daniel Jones' career where I left those games saying, hey, that was awesome. Do that again. And it never happens. Like that game versus Green Bay this year, for instance, where he was in London and had the awesome like 90-yard touchdown drive with Saquon on the sidelines. That's when I was like, that's what I want to see. Do that more often. You are carrying the team and showing you can still put this team on your back when you need to. But aside from that, you don't see much from Daniel Jones. We saw the rookie year. He had the multiple four touchdown games and Pat Shermer let him throw the ball a lot. He definitely had a turnover problem, but I didn't really care as much. It was a rookie and it was going to fix itself and it did. But the problem is the Giants overcorrected the problem. When Jason Garrett came here and Joe Judge, they overcorrected the turnover problem. They took away any upside Daniel Jones had to begin with. So if you make Daniel Jones a conservative quarterback who goes to his first read most of the time, that's a problem. Like they are just limiting who Daniel Jones is as a quarterback. And I feel bad for him. I think the Giants, as John Mara said, they really effed him up. They did. But I don't, even if Daniel Jones was given a great situation to begin with, I don't think he would have ended up being a top 10 quarterback. So personally, I don't know everything they see, but I get it. Fans want it to work. I want it to work. But I've also come to a point where I realize it ain't getting much better. It might get better with a wide receiver one, but it's not going to get to a point where Jones is is playing well enough to, to carry the team. It's almost like fans want him to be the next Jimmy Garoppolo, which like, why do you want that? Like, why are we going to settle? There's a reason the Niners traded a ton of picks to trade up and get rid of Garoppolo. Of course, the guy got hurt, but <laughs> there's a reason these teams do this. And there's, there's a reason why Jared Goff got moved off of two years after going to a Super Bowl, because they realized they can do better. And that's the situation the Giants would be in. Even if the Giants were great the past few years and they kept falling short of the Super Bowl, they would eventually move on from Jones. That's what these teams do. You can have a very solid quarterback that you can win with. I mean, Tyrod Taylor and Buffalo is another example. They went 9-7 and in 2017 with Buffalo, with Tyrod. And they got rid of him the next year. You know what I mean? Case Keenum went 13-3 and with Minnesota. They got rid of him the next year. Like, you can win with certain quarterbacks, but you also can do better. And the Giants, in my opinion, can do better. And people will say, well, Mahomes and whatever, they don't grow on trees. And there was someone in Twitter spaces last night. I want to give him a shout out. It was Base718. He made a great point. I actually DM'd him about it. I was like, you you were spitting. You did a great job. So people say Mahomes and, and Josh Allen, they don't grow on trees. And sure, there's there's not many of those guys in the league. But if you go back to even 2017 and look at the draft classes since then, you have 
Patrick Mahomes, awesome player. You have Deshaun Watson, who before the uh, you know the stuff happened last year, awesome player. 2018, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, two awesome players. Of course, I would take Josh Allen first, but two awesome franchise quarterbacks. 2019, Kyler Murray before the injury. I think Kyler Murray was in that top 12 conversation. He's very close to a franchise quarterback. He got a big-ass contract for a reason. 2020, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, maybe Tua. I don't know if I'd throw Tua in there, but it's, it's he's borderline. Seven and a half guys. We'll, we'll call it seven and a half guys since then. 2021, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. I mean, that's nine, nine and a half guys if you include Tua. Since 2017, from 2017's draft to 2021's draft, that I would consider good to great franchise quarterbacks. And some of those guys are the best quarterbacks in the league. That's in the past five years, just from the draft. So nine guys, that's like a third of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and they were found in the draft the past five years. So yes, there's only one Josh Allen. There's only one Patrick Mahomes. You are not finding them in every single draft but you can find guys that are similar to that. I hate when people say there's a tier of elite quarterbacks and the rest are just on the same tier. Like, that's complete bullshit. I'm sorry. That's just how I feel. Like, you're telling me you're going to throw two quarterbacks in the same tier that don't belong in the same tier. There's a lot more tiers than just elite and the rest are in the same area. Like, that's that's not how it works. You have your top of the top, you know, the two or three guys who are the gods at that position, the Josh Allens, the Mahomeses, and the guys like that. Then you have the elite tier, the guys that can still win on their own and, and overcome pretty bad situations. You have the um, the great quarterbacks, the good quarterbacks, the average quarterbacks, the below average quarterbacks. I think game managers should have their own category. Um, then you have guys that are complete ass. So to say there's only like two categories, elite and then there's the rest. It's like stupid. Like you're just you're being lazy at that point. Like, all right, can we agree that uh, Jalen Hurts is not elite yet? I mean, maybe one day. Does that mean Jalen Hurts and Sam Darnold and Andy Dalton should be in the same tier because they're not in the elite tier? Like, like what? That makes no sense. Even like Kirk Cousins, should Kirk Cousins and 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 Andy Dalton be in the same tier because they're not elite? Makes no sense. Next from Brandon, I see Brandon a lot. So what's up, dude? Um, the very obvious one, of course. What do you think the Giants should do with Daniel Jones and Saquon as of right now, not depending on the rest of the games, if the season ended tomorrow? Okay, so if the season ended tomorrow for the Giants and the Washington game doesn't happen, and I guess right now they would be a playoff team, right? So I guess they would make the playoffs, but then again, he says the season ends now, so I don't know how to look at that question. So let's assume they like didn't make the playoffs or something. I don't know. Let's say the season ends right now, COVID number two happens, and the season's shut down for the rest of the year. All right. I was more in favor of bringing Saquon back like a month and a half ago, and I actually thought they would, and they still might. But the more this goes on, I think the harder it's getting for for Saquon to stay here because he's now showing it's hard for him to stay healthy. And he's probably out there just playing because it's a contract year and he wants to prove he can play all 17 games. I don't think Saquon's healthy. I mean, he practiced in full today, I believe. That's great to see. But chances are he probably should not have played on Sunday versus Philly. Let's be honest. He played 20 snaps. I mean, come on. So for Saquon, I do believe Joe Shane is going to approach him with a contract. Saquon will think he's lowballing him. Saquon will say no. Joe Shane either says, all right, you're, you're gone. We don't need you. Or he franchise tags him. And I think that's probably the most likely outcome. 
is that Saquon Barkley gets franchise tagged. I don't think Joe Shane and Saquon Barkley will agree on a long-term contract extension right away. I don't see that happening. I think he gets franchised and either plays on it or he gets traded off the franchise or they meet in the middle and give Saquon like a three-year, $35 million deal or something. I, I, I just don't think... Saquon's going to get the four-year, 60-something million dollar deal. Like, I think McCaffrey got something like that. I don't see that happening. I don't think Joe Shane is that type of GM. And for Daniel Jones, if, listen, as much as you might think I'm a Jones hater, if Jones came back next year and, like, let's say the Giants didn't like any quarterbacks in this draft, which, hey, that could be the case. I don't know. Maybe they love certain guys. I know they've been at a few Anthony Richardson games. But let's say they don't get any quarterback this, uh, you know, this April. If they bring Jones back on a one-year deal for like $15 million, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. Bring Daniel Jones back for another year if you can't find something better. What I do not want, because I am a Giants fan and I have my best interest with the Giants, I don't want Daniel Jones on a three-year or even two-year deal for $50 million or a three-year deal for $75 million. I just basically do not want a multi-year Daniel Jones deal where he's making upwards of $25 million. That is insanity to me. So for me, it depends on the asking price. I listen, I would lowball Saquon at first and offer him like a three-year, $30 million deal. If he declines it, we're franchising him. Daniel Jones, I'm offering him a one-year deal for $15 million. If he declines it, I would say, all right, go see what else you can get from other teams. And I'm sure either Daniel Jones gets a, a better contract elsewhere or he comes crawling back and says, all right, I'll, I'll take the one-year 15. All right, you got a deal, right? So I'm, I'm not giving Daniel Jones the big-ass contract. He has not proven enough for that. And once again, this is this is the question saying if the season ended right now, if Jones goes on to win the next three out of four games and looks amazing in the playoffs, that can change. But for now, I am not giving him that contract. No way. Brendan Cross. What's up, dude? Um, I know you aren't huge on Jones, but doesn't it make sense to stick with him for cheap? Well, that's the problem. Is it cheap? Yes, that's exactly what I was saying last question. Is it $15 million for one year or we gave him $25 million for multiple years? That's, that's the problem I have right there. Anyway, um, why force a quarterback pick when you can pick other positions of need? Then, when the team is improved, then go for the quarterback of the future if you think DJ if you don't think DJ is it. So I, I get this line of thinking and I actually hate this narrative, by the way, how people say you need to build the rest of the team first and then draft a quarterback. It is so stupid. It's like one of those narratives you only hear on Twitter too. I, I just don't get it. Like what makes people think that way? I don't get it. Like if that's, if that was your way of thinking, I tweeted this last night and then people of course responded, hey, this is the first overall pick. It's different. Like, no, it's, that's not what I meant. It's not the point. People are basically saying, if your team is not good, you should not draft a quarterback. If you can't support the quarterback, don't draft the quarterback. So that means that Trevor Lawrence should have been passed on because the Jaguars sucked. That means Joe Burrow should have been passed on because the Bengals sucked. Like, you're not passing on those guys. And even if the team, like the Giants, for instance, let's just say, for argument's sake, Joe Shane and Brian Dable love Anthony Richardson, and they think he has a, you know... I don't want to say Mahomes or Allen type upside, but like, let's say, I don't know. Let's say, let's say they think that Anthony Richardson has top five quarterback potential in the entire league. You're going to pass on that because you think the rest of your team is not ready. Like that's ass backwards thinking. You're not going to pass on that talent. If you think he's that good, you're not passing on that talent. Not to say Richardson's going to fall to the Giants in the first place, but if you're the Giants and you're sitting at pick number like 22, 23, whatever, and Richardson starts to, you know, fall back in the draft. 
You don't think Joe Shane would trade up for him at like pick number 14 or 15 or whatever if he thought he was going to be like a top five quarterback one day just because his offensive line's not filled out and he doesn't have a great receiving core? Like, no, they're, the quarterback is the most important position on the field. It's not something you just wait on. You know what I mean? Like, if you think you have that guy, you take him. And if you rush your quarterback pick, which is what I think the Giants did with Daniel Jones because we know that Dave Gettleman was infatuated with Justin Herbert, that's what happens. You pick Daniel Jones instead of Justin Herbert. And that's what, you know, that's that's what happens. And of course, if I can go back in time, I would say, Dave, don't do it. Next year's the year for Justin Herbert. Don't do it. But it happens. And I get it. Everyone wants their young quarterback to come into a great environment. I get it. But that's not how it works most of the time. Like Justin Fields. Let me, let me look at Justin Fields' numbers real quick. Justin Fields is literally in a worse situation right now than Daniel Jones. He is. I, we can make the argument right now. Offensive line-wise, adjusted sack rate. The Bears have the worst adjusted sack rate in the NFL by a lot. 2.7%. The Giants are second to last. They're at 10%. So it's a 2.7% difference. The Bears' offensive line is by far the worst in the football. You compare their coaching. Justin Fields has a rookie head coach. Same thing as Daniel Jones, but I think Mike Kafka is known as a better play caller. Then look at the weapons. All right, you have Darnell Mooney, who, yeah, he's a good deep play guy, but Darnell Mooney's not a complete wide receiver. He's probably a wide receiver too on most teams. He is at least somewhat comparable to Darius Slayton. I would still take Mooney over Slayton, don't get me wrong, but they are at least in the same neighborhood. Maybe Chicago is a bit better receiving-wise, but it's not crazy. Like, they don't even use Chase Claypool. He hasn't even been there for most of the year. Cole Komet, he's better than Daniel Bellinger, but it's not by a ton. It's because Komet's in year three and Bellinger's a freaking rookie. So it's not like Justin Fields has that much more to work with than Daniel Jones. But if you ask a Bears fan right now, how do you feel about Justin Fields, I bet you 95% of them are sold that he's their franchise guy. And I'll admit, Fields looked like complete shit for a long time. He was looking awful. Even the first like five or six games of this year, he looked terrible. But it was actually that Patriots game, right? The uh, week, it was the week seven game or week six game at New England. They had their bye week, I believe. They tailored their entire offense to fit into Justin Fields' skill set. And ever since then, he's been great. Justin Fields has been playing like a top, I don't know, top 12, 13 quarterback ever since that time. He does have to get better as a passer, but my God, he is probably the best rushing quarterback in the NFL. And that kid in a worse situation than what Daniel Jones has is still proving that he's a franchise quarterback. And he's in year two. He's in year two when Daniel Jones is in year four. And I think if you ask any other fan base or any media person, they would already feel more comfortable saying that Justin Fields is more of a franchise quarterback than Daniel Jones and he's played less than half of his games. Simple Giants fan, should the Giants trade for Devontae Adams or Hopkins and sign OBJ next year? Um, Devontae Adams, I don't think that's happening, right? Because they just traded two first round picks for him. Why the hell would they trade him? Hopkins, I mean, not impossible, right? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, they're going to not have Kyler next year for most of the year, if not the entire year, coming off the ACL tear. Hopkins will be 31 next year, so all right, don't love that. He does have a pretty big contract, Hopkins. That's the problem here, of course, but next year, he has a $30.7 million cap hit. The year after, it's a $26.2 million cap hit and a 11.3 dead cap hit, so I guess you can get out of that and save like $15 million if you needed to. Um, I'd rather go the young route. Like I'd rather just go with a receiver in the draft. If you can get Hopkins for like nothing, I mean, sure. If you can make that fit, of course, I would not say no to a talent like that. 
But I just think for where the Giants are at right now, I just would not take on a contract like that. From Wacky, what's up, man? Uh, do you really believe we could be last year's Eagles with a good draft and solid offseason? What are your expectations for finishing out this year slash going into next year? So this year, um, to be completely honest, I probably don't have the highest expectations for the rest of this year. I mean, you have to win Sunday. and There's no other way I can sugarcoat it. You have to win Sunday. I don't want any excuses. Washington's not that great of a team. You saw them two weeks ago. Um, I get they're coming off a bye, but there's no excuses. You have to win that game. If they don't win that game, they probably go like one in three the rest of the way. You know what I mean? If they win that game... I think they can beat the Colts, but I do think the most likely outcome for the Giants, unfortunately, is that they probably go like one and three the rest of the year. And I don't know whether they'll beat Washington or Indy. Maybe Philly benches their guys. I, uh, I'll say this. If Philly benches their guys in week 18, the Giants go two and two the rest of the way. If they don't bench their guys, the Giants go one and three. And I don't know if one and three is good enough to make the playoffs. I mean, it depends if they beat Washington or not. And do I think the Giants can be the Eagles next year? No, I don't think so. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't see the Giants being 12 and one at this point and, and being the favorites in the NFC to make the Super Bowl in this conference. I don't see it. I hope I'm wrong, but the Eagles had a lot more in place. They already had a very good offensive line. They had a quarterback who has, I think, a lot more tools than Daniel Jones does. They already had Devontae Smith on the roster. They had a secondary that already consisted of Darius Slay. They did add Gardner Johnson, and they added James Bradbury in the offseason. But, like, the thing is with the Eagles, like, once again, it goes back to the rookie contract thing. The Eagles are able to build this great roster because Jalen Hurts is on a rookie deal and a second-round pick, so it's even cheaper. Daniel Jones coming back for three years, $75 million, you ain't getting those players. You are not getting that type of roster around Jones, which is another reason why I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Giants to stick it out with him for the next couple years. So no, unfortunately, I don't think we'll be the Eagles next year. I mean, look, maybe in the next couple years, two, three years, I could see it, but just doing that all in one offseason once again just seems very unlikely. Anyway, that's going to do it, I think. So we got through them all. I don't know how long this will be, but... I hope you guys enjoyed. I'll put this on the podcast as well so that'll make it easier. But um, yeah, I mean, look, hopefully the Giants win Sunday. That's all I care about at this point. Um, I'll have the preview for that coming out on Friday, probably Saturday the latest. But um, it's going to be fun. It's going gonna, gonna to bring me back to old times. It's going to bring me back to like the, you know, I don't think Al Michaels does Sunday night anymore. But still, like the Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth games of Sunday night football when the Giants would have those big divisional games against like Dallas or Philly or whoever. So it's going to take me back to the good old days. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. But if they lose that game, yeah, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be sad. But um, I just hope they get it done because I do want to see the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Anyway, once again, hopefully you guys enjoy it and I'll talk to you guys next time.